Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Heyo, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast. I am Max Minardi. And I am Johan von Summers. Welcome to the Fresh Hop Cinema. Okay, for a second I thought you were going like Transylvanian, but then you brought it back to German. But I, a Transylvanian German version of you would be pretty nice, I think. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. Uh, this is a craft beer movie podcast. We're based in Chico, California. Each and every week we cover the newest cool things in craft beer and film. Uh, we're, like I said, if you don't know where Chico is or California, it's the West Coast of the United States. So we primarily focus on uh, West Coast beers. We do get some fun stuff sometimes from around the country. But this week uh, we're sticking with the West Coast out uh, with Slice Brewing. We'll talk about that in a little bit here. Covering some new movies, Nomadland, a new film from Chloe Zhao and Judas and the Black Messiah. A lot of fun stuff coming up. Before we get to all that stuff, Johnny Summers, where can people find us on the Internet? rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts uh also instagram and twitter are at fresh hop cinema as well as letterbox and untapped just search fresh hop cinema any social media you're on and you'll find us email us at fhccast c-a-s-t at gmail.com like Trevor Matero did. Shout out. Thanks for the update on your life. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, also, you can find us on Patreon for as little as $1 every single week. You can help make this show happen. The pandemic's been hard on all of us, and we want to thank all of our patrons for sticking with us. Uh, they help keep this thing rolling and keep the beers flowing and keep this entertainment happening. So thank you slash you're welcome. But consider joining Patreon if you like what is happening. Uh, it's fun. There was bonus episodes every week. We're doing a movie like knowledge series on yeah. there about like the roles of different people in filmmaking. Like I said, bonus beer reviews. And then we do top five lists that often coincide with maybe an actor or a theme. It's a bunch of fun stuff. So if if you just can't get enough of me and I guess Max, you should subscribe to Patreon. Yeah, again, patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. Um, a couple of patron notes, um, which feels like it's a good transition to talk about this. Um, like Johnny mentioned, we do have our Making Movies series. Uh, so check your feeds on Sunday the 28th. We're going to be covering the role of the cinematographer. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Our last, our first one was um, uh, the producers and what producers are. And we spent about 30 minutes kind of demystifying that. So got another one of those coming out on Sunday the 28th. Um, reminder for anybody. Send $3. us questions. Sure, send us questions if you'd like. Um, yeah. $3 and up, folks. Vote if you have an opinion on what genre of movie you would like us to watch as a group virtually on the 27th. That's our uh, movie night. We're all going to be sort of messaging along and sort of making it feel like we're drinking all together and watching a movie. Um, feels like a really nice way of doing that and staying safe. So that should be fun. Um, anyways, that's all the housekeeping I have. I would love to drink a beer if you could tell me a little bit more about uh, what we're drinking exactly today, brewery-wise, and maybe where we got these beers, because I feel like another shout-out is probably in order. Uh, our beers this week were provided by our patron, James. Shout-out, James, the homie, coming through with the yeah. beers for this week's episode. Like He just hit us up, and he's like, hey, I've got some beers if you guys want to do them. And I'm like, duh, yeah, bro. Let's rip it. Uh, so he was actually down at Slice Brewing in Lincoln, California for one of their releases. I think this release came out two or three weeks ago, uh, something like that. But it's it's a very recent release of theirs. And he was able to get us uh, two of the beers, one for me and one for Max of each one, so we could cover it on the show. So that is super awesome. Shout out to James, patron yeah. of the week. 
I guess the very final sort of shameless plug is that we we um, offered offered to um, to buy them from James, obviously, but he had also ordered two of our brand new pint glasses. So we called it mm-hmm. an even trade, um, which is to say that if you are like James and you had ordered pint glasses from us, or if you'd like to now, you're just hearing about them, you still can. We got a few left, um, but those will be coming to you, and I'll reach out and figure out logistics and how to get those to you um, within the next week or so. So yeah, don't yeah. fret. You'll have those glasses in front of you soon. Exactly. Um, but yeah, you're right, man. So what is the first beer that we are drinking? And please say it with the right accent. The vaccinator. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. 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 Um, to answer, it wasn't even your question, but to clarify, this one was canned on February 4th. So yeah, we're, we're drinking it at like two and a half weeks. Absolutely. So uh, want me to read some more about what our patron saying of beer James got us this week? Please. All right. Vaccinator is an imperial IPA. It is an 8.8% collab with Auburn Ale House. A heavy dose of mosaic, strata, chinook, and amarillo hops provide intense flavors and aromas of grapefruit, zest, resin, pine sap, stone fruit, and orange peel. Yeah, this is this is your kind of beer. I've, I've had just a sip, but I just want to put it on the bottom of the can. It says, get to the hopper, which I think is uh, um, Yeah, man. I mean, it's lately, especially because we're getting into sort of like almost spring weather, um, I know that you've been sort of gearing more towards West Coast IPAs instead of maybe stouts or something. Um, and this is definitely that. Like, this is a super hoppy IPA. Have you have you tasted it yet? Oh, this is a banger. Yeah, 8.8% too. That, that's, I wouldn't have guessed on, on the mouth, you know? No, no, this feels like it would be, well, it is like robust and yeah, big. There's, yeah, you're, okay, second drink. I was like, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, like you get a big mouthful of this. You're like, okay, there's a lot going on here. And it's it's definitely immediately I feel like it would taste like it's on the bigger side. I would have guessed like mm-hmm. probably seven, five, seven, eight, but uh, yeah, sneaky 8.8%. Yeah. It seems like there's this weird thing that happens. Maybe it's just to me, but like I could drink, I bet I could drink like a seven and a half, eight percent beer. I could probably have a few of those, let's say four. And you know, as long as I'm not like pounding them, like I'll be all right. But something happens around the 8.89% where I'm like, something's changed in my body and it's 1% of alcohol difference, but it makes a huge difference on the sort of intoxication level of the drinker, I think. Do you find that, mm-hmm. Evan? Oh, yeah, definitely. That's like when uh, when Hot Bullet came out from Sierra Nevada. You're like, I can drink yep. Yep. five pale ales, no problem. I can anticipate what's going to happen to my body. I'm an adult. And then you drink like five Hot Bullets over the course of like four hours and you're like, trashed and like oh it's because it's got like two percent higher alcohol like you said something clicks it's just that just a little bit extra than what you're used to and it's like very present in your brain so yeah this one uh i think this one i could maybe two max then i'd have to like cool it with some water or something probably yeah so i've had another drink now and i yeah i'm I'm fully pulling back my first comment i don't think this uh, is 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 a sneaky one at all. Like this is very boozy. Like you can tell it's a heavy one, which is the opposite of sort of um, dark side of the rainbow that we covered from hen house last week, which was, I think 9%. And I remember you saying specifically, like I said it in passing towards the end of our discussion of that beer. And you were like, like I forgot it was 9% because it's so drinkable. Um, but I also appreciate a beer like this one that lets you know exactly what it's coming to do. Like, Hey, this is what you're getting into. If you're drinking me, which I feel like is also a very like terminator move. Like he's not sneaky, right? There's no subtlety. No, he's just like, I'm here for the party. I don't think that's a line of dialogue from the movie, but it is now. Maybe it's an outtake. (laughs) Um, But you like this beer, right? Oh, yeah. This is very much my style. This is incredibly drinkable, but it still has a nice kind of mouthwatering finish where it just, it definitely leaves you wanting more. It's like medium dry 
on the finish, but super hoppy front to back, uh, minimal sweetness. I mean, this is pretty much the textbook definition of an Imperial IPA, like in taste, in nose, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. body. Uh, and I think it really nails it. I mean, they're doing it very traditionally, but also very, very well. I like the addition of the Amarillo hops because they're one of my favorites. It adds like just really beautiful earthy notes that kind of brings it back down to earth or else it's going to just taste like pine tar, like every single yeah. other. Yeah. So I like the the combination here. I don't know enough about Chinook hops to, to specifically say what it does to it, but I know I love Mosaic and Strata is amazing. Amarillo is amazing. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say, you can you can make the call on this if you want, if you want to pull this out in the edit, but I think this is also another good shameless plug for an idea, and I promise it'll be the last production note I throw out, but I think we're one for one now. Um, what if we also did like a series on Patreon where we demystified the characteristics of certain hops? That'd be fun to do after, be, like, like yeah. after the movie thing runs dry. Sure. Like, there's only so many roles in movie production. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like yeah. I just Because I feel like so often, and, and I'm more guilty of this than you, because I think you know a lot more about hops than I do, but I'm like you know, this one has strata hops. I'm like, I don't, I almost never know. And I'll do a quick Google to sound smart, but like, I would love sort of a crash course on various hop varieties. I think it'd be so much fun. It would. And given the the current market that we live in, it would be very easy to find like a single hop IPA or something to really like encapsulate what that flavor profile is supposed to be. Absolutely. Um, I feel like we could roll that into our beer reviews and like extrapolate and go one step further with like hop specificity. I dig that. That'd be really fun. Okay. Mental note made. Um, but I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I don't really know Chinook well enough either. So maybe that'll be our jumping off point if we do that series. Yeah, I mean, I know it's one of the sea hops, like the that like Sierra Nevada, mm-hmm. like the Centennial, the the there was the other Centennial Citra. I think it's one of the sea hops. That's what uh-huh. they like. Brewers shorthand is the, oh, you're going to use all the sea hops because they kind of go together. Yeah, sure. I don't know what that means, but I've heard people that make beer say it, and they are smarter than me. So I'm yeah, gonna, I'm going to pair maybe. Them. Cascade, yeah. Columbus hops, those ones. Cascade for sure. Not again. It's pulling. I'm just Colum- again, I, it's Columbus. A I don't know this. I go. Yeah, that's what it says. Uh, what? There's like a there's a uh, there's a website called northernbrewer.com and they send out a uh, they call it their American Seas Hop Sampler Pack and they got uh, Cascade, Centennial, uh, Chinook, Columbus, Citra. Hmm. Yeah. Who knows? We'll buy that sampler pack just and we'll just chew on them. Yes. These all taste bitter. <laughs> Just like grind them up and put a fat <laughs> lipper in, like it's Copenhagen. Be like, what is? Mm, what God, notes are you getting? Would that be? And Max is just throwing up in the corner. Yeah, I don't know what it? notes yeah. I'm getting, Johnny. Yeah. Lunch. Yeah, that'd be bad. Yeah, okay, we won't do that. I mean, we could though. It'd be pretty funny. I haven't told you my thoughts on this beer yet. No. What do you think? I think it's fine. You really? Know, I, I think well, it's well made, but it is so intense. Um, is it too I don't much know. for you? It, you know, it is a little bit, man. Like, again, this is kind of where we differentiate lately. Like, I'm I'm still, because I was touting the other hen house beer, the Walrus's Paul last week. I was really touting the fact that it was aggressive and bitter, but there were those sweet notes to kind of hold it together for me. And you were like, yeah, like, there's some sweetness, but it's got the hot punch that I love. And this one just is is too West Coasty for me. And it's it's bordering on a little bit too, not syrupy, but, but boozy toward the end. And it's just too heavy to really love it. I, I'm still, like, happily going to drink it. I think it's pretty good. Um, but it's just pretty good for me. It is definitely intense. It is all like they used it to like, I would love to know specifically like to sound smart, like, Oh, they put the hops in like early in the, the life cycle of the gestation. Yeah. So then it turns out like super bitter and not like fruity, but that's a thing. 
somehow. I remember we were talking about last week, like they put them in like earlier in the boil and it gives it a different kind of bitterness. For sure. Yeah. I mean, like, there was no, like there was no dry hopping here. Like this is all, we're getting the most bitterness out of this that we possibly can. Yeah. Whatever you have to do to do that, they did it. And yeah. I, I, I like it. I like that, that commitment to bluntness and just like extremity. Mm-hmm. This is a bitter beer. This is nothing but a bitter beer. This is an imperial IPA. Like it's not a double IPA for. I mean, some it reason. is. It is. It's those are interchangeable. It's it's a it's a double. Okay, interesting. Uh, and also, in case anyone's like, man, you guys are really trying to wreck your palate early. Don't you usually save your heavier beer for the second beer? You're not, because we have a triple IPA, which I was shocked to learn, and and that one's ten percent. So I was like, well, I guess we're starting with eight point eight, and we're just climbing the alcohol mountain here, seeing where we yeah. end up. And I have it on good authority. That's one of the best triple IPAs uh, that a good friend of mine, whose palate I trust, uh, has ever had. So you're not name dropping that friend, even with that really nice compliment. You're not gonna let him know. Uh, I don't know if he's listening, but Derek, shout out Derek Paul. Uh, All right, what's up, Derek? He highly recommended that beer. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, I feel like the the sort of canon of triple IPAs that are even available to people is sort of limited. But I mean, great. I mean, that makes it even maybe more. No, I mean, less competition, better chance to get to the top. But still, if it's a good beer, it's a good beer. Well, you know what they say in the famous words of ABBA. It's a long way to the top. If you <laughs> if want to rock, rock and roll, I think exactly. that's in the famous words of School of Rock, my friend. But I know it's from ABBA. But let's <laughs> that's be obviously real. What a Jack Black of? quote. <laughs> uh, so what do I think of this beer? I want to rate this right now. Well, I like it, yeah. it. I think I like it more than you. Um, for me, it is – it's a – it's a little one-dimensional, but not in a bad way. It's like mm-hmm. deliberately one-dimensional. Like, boom! Here's a spear. I made it. It's a finger painting. It's not complicated. Here is. <laughs> it's delicious. like a one. It's a one-trick pony, but like that pony can juggle or something. You're like, how you're a horse? How <laughs> exactly. Are you doing? Like a cool your, trick. Your one trick is juggling flaming axes. Like, yeah, that's a pretty cool trick. Good trick. So, uh, yeah, slice brewing. Feel free to use that in like your review of this beer online. <laughs> So wait, where does that put you out of 10? What does a horse juggling flaming axes put out of 10? Oh, for me, I mean, this beer, they nail it. Um, this feels, this feels like, ooh, it feels like an 8.1. 8.1. That's a really, that's a really nice rating, I think. And if, yeah. I'm not going to say it again, because I think we said it last week. I remember from editing it. You can look up Johnny's scale, but that tips it in a very nice direction, I think, adding the 0.1. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a seven. You know, it's a really, I think, they definitely achieve what they're going for. It's a sort of a personal thing. I'm not super um, jazzed on it. Uh, it's just a little bit intense for my particular palate. Maybe it's just the day. It is a Wednesday after all. I don't know. Um, but I think it's really solid. So I'm going to go 7 out of 10, 8.1 for you. That's Vaccinator from Slice. Do you have any more thoughts on this before we move on? Yeah, I would put a wooden nickel on that if you drank this whole beer and let it marinate in your belly for like 20 minutes, you would rate it higher. Yeah, I guarantee that is true as well. For sure it would. Do you know why? <laughs> because eight point eight percent. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna play you a trailer here for a film called No Man La- No Mad Land. There's the eight point eight, um, and we're not gonna spoil it without giving you plenty of heads up. So if you haven't had a chance to catch up with it and you want to go in blind, you can go see it on Hulu. Um, and if you are okay with just some minor talk about the film, stick around. Here's the trailer. You are one of those lucky people that can travel anywhere. Yes, ma'am. I know. And they sometimes call you nomads. My mom said that you're homeless. Is that true? No, I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. Not the same thing, right? No. 
My husband worked at the USG mine in Empire. I was a substitute teacher. It is a tough time right now. You may want to consider early retirement. I need work. I like work. Welcome to Badland Spa. What the nomads are doing is not that different than what the pioneers did. I think Fern's part of an American tradition. Oh, he's gonna come right through the glass. My dad used to say, what's remembered lives. I maybe spent too much of my life just remembering. One of the things I love most about this life is that there's no final goodbye. I've met hundreds of people out here, and I don't ever say a final goodbye. Let's just say, I'll, I'll see you down the road. And I do. I see them again. And I can be certain in my heart, I'll see you again. Nomadland, directed by Chloe Zhao who also directed The Writer in 2017. It was based on the book Nomadland, Surviving America in the 21st Century by Jessica Bruder. Our cast, Francis McDormand as Fern, Linda May, Swanky, Bob Wells, and David Strathern as, you guessed it, David. Release info-wise, this beer premiered at the Venice Film Festival in the September beer? 2020. They, wait, they put a beer out at the film festival? <laughs> Is that what I said? I think so. I, th- I said release info. Yeah, you said this beer was released, or this beer premiered at the Festival. <laughs> you should have just let me run with that. I know. I'm going to stand sorry. by it. I'm okay. standing by it. This okay. beer release, this beer slash movie was released at the Venice Film Festival. You guys know what I mean. Good God, you don't pay me to be sober. <laughs> uh, it premiered at the Venice Film Festival in September 2020, and it had a run of virtual screenings in December of 2020. It Finally, thank God, released to Hulu for streaming on February 19th, 2021. And I know I can speak for myself as well as Max that we have both been eagerly anticipating viewing this movie. So with all that aside, Max, would you please give us a synopsis of Nomadland? Yeah, so it's the second feature film from uh, Chloe Zhao. It stars Frances McDormand, like you said, as Fern, uh, a woman who after the death of her husband and the shutdown of her town decides to purchase a small Ford conversion van and take life on the road. Um, yeah, like you said, I've been looking to this for a very long time. I loved The Rider from 2017, and I don't think we covered it on the show, but it, like Nomadland, um, and you might have noticed this from the cast <clears throat> list if you're listening, some of those people um, don't have playing as lines because they are just playing themselves. Um, anyways, we'll get to that later, but like Nomadland uh, and like The Rider, this told a wonderfully personal story um, of a part of like American life that we don't often talk about, and, and true to that form, Zhao employs many of these non-actors. And it gives this film this really incredibly real and personal touch. Um, Johnny, again, I know that you were kind of looking forward to it, but after seeing it, what do you think? Your initial thoughts? So, Nomadland to me, uh, it played as a very thoughtful movie. It took its time. It was very visually stunning. Uh, You know, what I thought I was going to get and what I got were slightly different in that, you know, the trailers kind of grandize or aggrandize the mm, the like mm. the nomad life and living in a van and all this. But yeah. what you find is that a really dull knife is 
like just jammed into the underbelly of this projected utopian way of life. Yeah. And you find that like in order to sustain this lifestyle, you have to do jobs that you don't want to do. There's a very gritty, grimy aspect of this whole movie. So I really love the the dichotomy of like this utopian existence of freedom, uh, you know, just really opposed by this gritty reality that has to happen to make it so. Mm-hmm. I really like the way this movie tackled big issues like uh, capitalism, freedom, like uh, mortality. I mean, it really tackled big things in a very poetic way. And I think it achieved a lot of that with very minimal effort, with a lot of really good acting, very minimal, but very good dialogue and uh, some really touching, poignant scenes. This movie played out a bit more somber than I expected, but it didn't bring me down. I feel like it really worked as a film overall. And the message was was pretty clear and it was it was pretty cool because I think this film like life is always kind of a mix of all things. It's the good with the bad and it's it's you know kind of ugly sometimes but sometimes it's really beautiful. So uh I absolutely loved this film. I think it was one of the best films of 2020 and uh it was gonna go top not top but I can't say that yet. That's yet to be decided but it's gonna go very high on my films of 2020. Uh so this movie worked for me. I really liked a lot of the cinematography and some of those wide shots were just unbelievable. And I liked Frances McDormand quite a bit in this role. Like she could have really leaned into this and done too much, but I feel like personally she did just enough to make it really just suck all the empathy out of me. And just, I was so invested in these characters and uh, I think overall it left me feeling a little bit frazzled and a little bit like, uh, I want to reevaluate my whole life. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. It made you ask some really serious, heavy questions about life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness and all that. So that's my take. I think I really loved it. What did you think, Max? Yeah, I'm going to echo, I think, a lot of your sentiments. Um, but one, one thing I want to say is I think this will technically qualify as a 20... Uh, tw- uh, no, this will be a 2020 movie. You're absolutely right. It's got to be. Even mm-hmm. though it came available to the public in 2021, I'm sure it'll be like on the docket for the Oscars of 2020. Okay. Yeah. Um, Which means that would be available to be nominated this coming. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Which I think is probably, the, I think that's correct. That's the right move. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I think we'll be talking about the shortcomings of sort of like the American capitalist machine on this week's show quite a bit in a bunch of different lights. Obviously, like once we get into the territory of um, Judas and the Black Messiah, those shortcomings are mostly like police overreach and systemic racism. But I think the through line, at least that I had, and I watched both of these movies today, which might've been a mistake, but the through line that I had in watching both of the movies is like, there's probably nothing wrong as Americans in saying, Hey, we've got some serious shit that needs addressing America. Like there's, there's, um, there's a great analogy in Nomadland um, of workhorses being put out to pasture, uh, delivered during one of the many powerful speeches by Bob Wells, who you mentioned, um, Bob's the guy that set up the sort of nomadic community of RV dwellers that Fern meets kind of early on in the film. Um, and I think the idea of those workhorses looking out for each other after their prime days are behind them is something that should be so intrinsically important to us as members of a quote unquote, like modern advanced society that when I realized how easily we disregard those people, I, I actually almost had to turn the movie off. Like there was something <laughs> visceral, like there's something so tragic about mm. the failure that we set our elderly up for by forcing them to work these shitty jobs, 
in like Amazon factories or sugar beet plants or whatever. And then when they've outgrown their usefulness, we tell them to basically fuck off. So another younger person with dreams of retiring near a golf course in Florida one day can work until their hands are too riddled with arthritis to hold a golf club. You know what I mean? It, it sucks. Like, but I think this is part of the genius of Chloe Zhao's filmmaking. Like obviously McDormand's character and that performance kind of drives the movie. But as we've pointed out, many, many, many of the people in this movie are not professional actors and are genuinely living this life. And that makes every single one of their stories connect that much more intensely. Like, you know, it's one thing to watch a documentary and it's another to watch a film based on reality, but there's this weird magical middle ground um, that it seems that only Chloe Zhao has found the key to, which combines the storytelling powers of both of those things. So to answer your question, I can't exactly say that I enjoyed Nomadland. Um, I know I texted you about it a third of the way in saying that I had relegated myself to basically being a crumpled up ball of tears hiding under a duvet. And I did stay that way for the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. That said, they weren't all tears of sadness. Like you were getting at this. There's a ton of just, you know, um, life in this movie. And everyone in the movie knows that life isn't always happy. It isn't always sad. It isn't always any one thing. It's this weird fucking road trip that we're all somehow on. And all you can really do is take in the sights as they pass you by and hope that by the end of it all, some of it meant something to you. Mm-hmm. I think it was important, man. Like I, 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 it was a very powerful movie and I love when movies tie into life and in that way. Like it's, it says something bigger about the human experience. So I, I yeah. loved it. Didn't enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. I had a moment probably about two thirds of the way through. And it was one of those moments where I'm like, I, they've rarely happen, especially mm. as, as much content as we consume. Like early on, I realized I was watching special, but yeah. like yeah. there was a point like two thirds, I think in somewhere in that point where I was just, I took a moment and I was like, is this one of the best films I've ever seen? Mm-hmm. And I had to like have that conversation in my head. And I was like quickly running out of arguments against it. Yeah. I mean, it was powerful in its subtlety and just, it was so moving. And like you said, just some of the stories like about working your whole life and living on $500 a month, Mm -hmm. um, that wasn't an actor. So like when you have Francis McDormand talking to these people and they're not actors and you're like, this could very easily actually be your story. Or in some cases it actually was your story. Um, it like you said, it struck this amazing middle ground between like documentary, social commentary, and for lack of a better pun, slice of life. All right, nice. Um, yeah, this movie left me like you, like you, feeling not happy, but like I absolutely loved it with every fiber of my being, and like I wanted to watch it again or forget about it forever as soon as I was done with it. I know. Um, and that's a weird feeling, uh, for a movie that I liked to, you know, I don't ever recall feeling that way except about maybe, you know, Schindler's List or something like that, where it's just like, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm good. Like, I don't, I would either want to watch it again right now because it was so moving and I want to feel that, or I just want to completely disregard it it exists and bury my head in the sand, which obviously I'm not going to do, but it sheds a light on, on some pretty, sad situations and it was entirely more moving than I thought it was going to be. And I knew it was going to be a moving movie. So that's, that's something that ain't nothing. Right. Right. Uh, Yeah, man, I don't know. It's just weird. I had the same sort of 
emotional headspace that I had come out of this as I did when we covered a ghost story. Mm. Um, oh man, that's a David Lowry movie. I think it was from 2017. You know, um, I still haven't watched that movie again. You know, I haven't either. But part of the reason is like, I don't want to, because I don't think I'm going to watch this again anytime soon. It's just this really something like, so it rings something rings so true about like, yeah, like the human experience where like, this is like, we're all, we're all dying. We're all going to die. Eventually everybody we know going to die. And what's the point of it all? Like, man, I, I was struck by how, um, yeah, like kind of what you were saying about the trailer, like the idea of traveling and, and living life on the road is so romanticized until you see those moments where it's so lonely and awful. And and even then there's still some magic to be had, but I, as somebody who is sort of spent at least 10 years sort of cultivating a career that is non-traditional, um, me, I mean, um, like I obviously subscribe to like, yeah, sure. Like do things in life. Like I'm a big believer that you shouldn't wait until you retire to do the things you are going to think that you're going to love to do. Because like, depending on those, what those things are, like you may not even have the energy to do them or your desires will have changed. So like, don't waste your life dreaming for this one thing. Cause like any number of things can happen. You can get brain cancer and die. I don't, it's just, and that kind of stuff, like you don't shake cause it's a movie. You're just like, that's going to stick with me forever. Yeah. And that's the hard thing about like wanting to go back for a rewatch. Same with the ghost story. Like I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That, uh, this movie is, it reminds me of a novel that kind of changes your life and your entire outlook and you read it once and you put it on a shelf and you treasure its existence mm -hmm. and your possession of it, but it's just too much to revisit because you know, it'll take you back to a place that will force change. And yeah. that's a hard place to intentionally put yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's how this played out. It's like, I want to put this movie on my shelf and I want to know it exists and I want to think fondly of it, but I don't want to fully revisit it Yeah, because it will make me self-examine in a way that I'm uncomfortable with. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to mention one here and then you can tell me if you had any for you, but like there are a few shots in the movie and I'm going to dance around one because I think it could be spoilery, but I just want to point out the one shot. Um, there's a scene kind of late in the movie where there is there are two people playing a piano. Mm. And it's a pretty brief shot. And, and what it basically is, is it's sort of like this push in from like over somebody's shoulder. And then you just see a piano with two sets of hands, uh, one younger ish and one quite a bit older. Mm -hmm. And it's a father and son thing. And for some reason, like that's another one that just kind of broke me. Yeah. Obviously like playing music. I, I don't have kids. I've, I've sort of relegated myself to the idea that I don't want kids, but there are these little brief snapshots in, in film and also in life. But we watch enough movies every week where I'm like, that's something about that hits something deep in my being. I'm like, I want that. I think like, right. I, I don't know. Like I, I didn't grow up playing music with my parents or anything. Like my mom played a little bit, but we never, she, like, she didn't play piano and she, she played Barry sax and you can't like, she's not be like, all right, I'll do the read part and you do the fingering part. Uh, mm -hmm. but like I play piano and I, I like the idea of like playing piano with a different generation of people related to me and kind of mm -hmm. past, like it's, yeah, the idea of like legacy and, and what life is supposed to be about. And I think that ties back into what you're saying about the romanticizing of going on the road. Like it's great and you get to see the world and you get to learn to know yourself. But then oftentimes I think people have the experience of, of then ending up very lonely. And it's yeah. this weird balancing act of like, do I live my life now and then end up lonely later? Or do I wait and cultivate sort of a network of relationships and then 
maybe not get to do as many fun things and experience as much in life. I don't it's it's I don't know. I don't have the answer, but it's a question that really keeps me up very often. Yeah, and it's a, it's a film that poses the, those questions in a very beautiful and poetic way. 100%. And I think it, it it doesn't answer them concretely, which is really beautiful too. It leaves them up to you, the viewer. And I think that that sort of open-endedness brings a grace to this movie that if it didn't have that could have made it feel too linear and too, you know, black and white. Like there is yep. no easy answer. We mm-hmm. live in the right. gray. So right. the fact that it left it that way felt really just like chef's kiss. Perfect. So yeah. I'm like, yeah nice. Um, yeah. Do you want to rate it? Cause I have one thing I do want to spoil and I don't want to do it without giving people the fun dangerous on sound. So uh, if there's nothing else you want to talk about without spoiling, can we give it a rating and move on? Yes. Yes, we can. Okay, um, I guess I'm going to throw it to you because you had mentioned looking for reasons why it wasn't the best movie you've ever seen, which makes me think it's, at the very least, a damn near perfect movie for you. So where are you at with Nomadland out of 10? Um, There's no way around it. This movie's a 10. Mm, Nice, man. Like I I hold no hesitance saying that. It's uh, absolutely moving and thought-provoking and beautiful and sad, and it's... Movies like this are the reason I wanted to do this with you in the first place, and I will treasure this movie. I think it was a real gem. I think everyone should watch it, and if you can stomach it, watch it again. Um, it's important. It's just like a good book. Like uh, We as Americans don't read books as a whole anymore, <laughs> and I think true. Uh, we consume our philosophy through different mediums, and um, I think this is, this is a visual novel. Uh, and a real essay on philosophy and, and deep, deep questions in American issues. Uh, so there's no way this movie isn't a 10 for me. And it's going to be a real tough race for this not to be my favorite movie of 2020. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. It's got to be a 10, too. I, I, we can talk about it more in the danger zone here in a second. But, like, it's just so – it's so good. Um, and I don't think it's going to be for everybody. It's I, I could see an argument for, like, it's – a it's there's not enough explosions and like where's the transformer like that kind of like those kind of if you're that kind of person that's like i want to see the autobots fly it's like you won't love this movie and that's well, fine I, f- I feel like that that's painting with a, a little bit of i am i know that's very that's so that's so fucking that's so uh, bougie no, of me yeah. this movie's very heady um let's put it that way if if you want to be entertained and don't really want to invest too much mm. thought or mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. i mean i think that's a better line to draw yeah like, maybe i should have said this movie isn't for any time you know because like, no. like, yeah, yeah, and obviously everybody listens like yeah we know that and why are you still talking about it yeah I was flashback just to, to laugh for somebody i guess yeah exactly yeah no i mean it's definitely not your stereotypical blockbuster you could no. gather that from a trailer but also yeah this movie should be taken with a grain of salt and uh read the room kind of like last week when you had some people in your bubble over and <laughs> You were trying oh, yeah. to sell them on <laughs> uh, a promising young woman. Yeah, right. And which, they were all like, "Which I hadn't seen, but I I do think that I could have put that on because I do feel like that movie has some universal appeal." But sure. yeah, but also but like you. not not right for every setting. No. But I mean, um, I think it really helped that I went into this movie in a really good mood. Yes, um, I feel like this is something you kind of have to be up for. Yeah, that's good advice. We should have said that at the beginning in case anyone's tuned out. <laughs> um, yeah, like don't go into this if you're like potentially unhappy or questioning all of your life choices. 
Or not the do, movie. It, not might, the movie. it might sway you in the right direction. I don't know. Maybe uh, existential crisis movie. That should be some Patreon bonus content. Top yeah. five Dude, best and worst movies to watch during an existential crisis. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so what I was getting at is, yeah, it's a 10 for me too, man. It's, it's really, really great and just so powerful. I, again, I don't think I'm going to revisit it anytime soon, but I don't think that's a reason to not be a 10. So I do have a couple things I want to spoil. Are you okay if we move into the danger zone? Let's do it. Danger zone. Okay. So the first scene that really got me crying was the swanky arc. And if you didn't look up the cast list and that doesn't ring a bell to you and you have seen the movie, Swanky is one of the people that Fern meets while in sort of the group of RV dwellers that end up leaving, but Swanky stays. And there's, there's, I think their sort of relationship on screen starts off with Fern knocking on her um, RV door, like, Hey, I need some help. I got a flat tire. Take me into town. Swanky, very gruff. Leave me alone. You saw, I put out a sign. Don't bother me. And over the course of maybe 15 minutes, we learn a lot about that character. And this is where sort of the realms of, of fiction and nonfiction blend because this is written dialogue. So I don't think this is actually the story of this person. I could be wrong. I haven't done my research, but let's pretend it is. Or let's pretend it isn't. Who cares? It's a story on screen that moved me. So I'm going to chalk it up to that. But we learn that she has cancer, spent some time in the hospital, decided she did not want that anymore. And she's going to go and see the things she wants to see one more time. And there's a particular sequence where she's talking about, like, I got the vibe. She was kind of summing up her life. And on the surface, there are these really potentially um, trivial experiences. Like one that comes up again is like kayaking on a river in Alaska. And there are swallows nesting in rocks. And the reflection is like she's flying with the birds. And it's so poetic and beautiful. And she has a few of these. And I don't know, man, the way that that's delivered and, and what we learned about that character later on, like we do get the video from her where she's like, I did it again. It was so beautiful. And like, that's just the kind of stuff that transcends just, you know, the movie. Like that's, that's life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then the, the piano, the piano scene obviously got me too. Yeah. And there was, there was two scenes with a piano that got me. There was one in like some abandoned, like North Dakota ghost town, like bar with this old oh, man. Oh shit. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause, cause it's, Dude. Di- it's directly after the, so we learned that basically, um, Swanky, Swanky has died mm-hmm. and they're tossing rocks in a fire. Cause that's what she was hoping people would do. She was like, if I die, she loved rocks. That was her thing. Yeah. <clears throat> They toss the rocks in. And then like we, as the audience, are certainly moist in the eye department, if not crying. There's a lot of water coming out of my face. And there's this brilliant cut, yeah, to like sort of a rinky-dink kind of run-down bar where this dude, who's not particularly good at the piano or singing, is singing a song all about sort of not crying for the times that we lost, but being happy for the times that we had with the friends that had to go. And it's just like, ooh, Man, it was the perfect, it was the perfect both film and musical moment to put in after the emotional gut punch that we just experienced. It was so good. I'm glad you brought that up. I thought it was so brilliant. It was one of my favorite moments in the whole movie. Just the, the poetics of the, the lyrics in that song and the delivery. It was just like, it was a total, another gut punch, but in like a, yeah, a way that only a song could be a balm for yeah. the emotions that you were going through at that moment. So I, I absolutely loved that scene. Like I was not expecting 
the use of music to be pivotal in this movie, but there were powerful yeah. scenes that were really that propelled our emotions through this movie using music. And I, I dug that. I thought it was a really kind of a fun trick, but also like good writing. Like I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, there, there's some gorgeous stuff on the soundtrack here. I, I wish I would have done more research, but a lot of it's non-lyrical stuff, but it's really, really rich sort of textural music. Um, I also feel like it's worth pointing out. There's like a lot of sunsets in this movie and I have a hard time thinking that's accidental. You know, like yeah. the, the metaphor of sunsets in a movie like this is pretty obvious, but it, it lends itself to really gorgeous cinematography. Like you get those wide shots you were talking about when we first started talking about this and like some great shots of just driving down a highway or a coastal highway or whatever it is, like just really powerful movie in general, man. Yeah, definitely. Powerful visuals, powerful themes, really excellent delivery. Um, I don't think I have much else to say, man. It was, it was really a powerful and fantastic film. Okay, again, that's Nomadland. We've been talking about it. It's on HBO Max if you have that subscription. If not, you can rent it probably on video on nope, demand. Nope, nope, It's can on you Hulu, really bud. It's on Hulu. Oh, sorry. I'm, I was, I'm thinking, I guess, of the other movie that I watched today. Thank you for the correction. It's on Hulu. It's also still probably on video on demand. Um, this Obviously, we both care a lot about this movie, so if you get a chance to watch it, we really would love to hear your feedback. So shoot us an email or a, any of the other stuff that you can. If you're on Patreon, shoot us a message there. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you want to take a break, man? Yeah, let's take a break. Okay. When we come back, it's beer number two, somehow finally getting to the strongest beer of the day at 10%. Stick around. So if you've been driving in a van on the road for months, years even who knows you're tired you're hungry you're thirsty take a little pit stop at the handlebar right here in chico california at 2070 east 20th street they've got a fantastic happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m you're gonna get some money off of draft beer you're gonna get money off of cocktails and wine they've got amazing food it's a pet friendly environment it's all ages so no matter what rv or van you're driving you nomad Get on down to the handlebar, make it your pit stop, grab some amazing food and some delicious drinks. Tell them Johnny and Max sent you. And we're back from the break with our second beer of the day. One more shout out to James. Thanks so much for the hookup here. This is a beer called Hippie Cabbage, also from Slice. It's a triple IPA clocking in at an average, you know, sort of baseline 10% ABV. Johnny Summers, tell me about the beer. Hippie Cabbage, also known as, you know, the devil's lettuce, mosaic, and eucanaut hops create saturated flavors and aromas of candied melons, eucalyptus, papaya, hash oil, and berry medley. From a legal perspective, I think I should read this on the can. It specifically says, not the devil's lettuce, though it also says hippie cabbage with the number sign, 420, culture of fresh. There's a lot of weed, but also not weed sort of references on this can. So who knows? I'm pretty sure it's not made with actual marijuana, but you never know. Have you had a chance to pour it uh, or try it? I'd take either one. Fucking whoa. I've done both. Okay. <laughs> Be weird if you'd only tried it and not poured it. I'd be like, yeah. how? I'm in a zero gravity environment. <laughs> I just ushered the just beer sort of, into my mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so ho- you said holy, did you say holy fuck? I said fucking whoa. That's what I meant. 
good way or bad way? This beer's crazy. Like, oh, good. Okay. okay, I'm going to pour and try mine, but tell me more. Not what I expected at all. I've had a bunch of triple IPAs, and they're usually too damn sweet. Um, you kind of overcompensate the amount of hops that you use with non-fermentable sugars in order to get this big, giant ABV. Oh, fucking it, whoa. Right? Okay. okay. Fucking okay. I see, I whoa. See you. Okay, okay. I see you, Slice Brewing. I see you. Um, but what you get with this beer is like when you think triple IPA mm-hmm. and like what it should be, mm-hmm. this beer kind of makes me think of that. Like you take an IPA that's bitter and aggressive and drinkable and you triple it because you triple IPA. So okay. like it's not a different style. All these triple IPAs that are like sickly sweet. Like what are you doing? Like it doesn't make sense to me why they get so sweet. This okay, is a sure. really interesting beer, man. It is aggressively hoppy. It is super dry. Not get mm. much, if any, sweetness. But yeah, this is... Uh, wow. This is going to be an interesting review. I was not expecting this. I think what's throwing me initially is the flavor up front. There's like a weird... Um, um, we've, we've talked about this, I bet over the course of, since this podcast started, this has probably come up five or six times. There's a, I always want to say like a Barney, uh, as in farm sort of barn, a barn, not Barney, the dinosaur. not a purple dinosaur, right? <laughs> like a barn sort of like musty straw kind of thing. And it's not a mouthfeel. It's, it's not an aroma. It's like a, a particular flavor that, that almost feels, yeah, like alfalfa or like, like an earthy strawness. Do you get yeah. any of that? Or am I just tripping? I can see how you would pick those flavors out big time. Okay. So for me, it starts there. And I mean, we haven't even talked about the nose. I'll get to that in a minute. But it starts there, which is not a flavor I super love. And then it does kind of bloom into this nice sort of um, hoppy experience. But for me, it does tail off into like a caramelly kind of molasses sweetness right on the back end. That I think okay. is just trying to cover up the 10%, which is fine. But it's for me more indicative of, of yeah, like most of the triple IPAs I've had. Yeah, this beer is aggressive. I don't, I, man, I don't. It, it's tough. Um, I'm trying to say if I like it or not. I, I think I might, but I don't love it for sure, and I'm not even totally sure that I like it. That's where I'm at right now. You're just all over the place, man. Like I think it's, I think I'm gonna come and land sort of similarly as I did. <laughs> <laughs> that is raising fruit, my friend, and come you on. are better than that. Um. But yeah, like I think I'm going to land somewhere close to where I landed on the first one in terms of sort of how jazzed I am about it. Like it's, it's, I think good. Um, it's a hard style to get like really, really good from Yeah, me. but what better triple IPAs have you had? That's the thing. I, I don't know that I've had any that are, I've, I don't think I've ever given a triple, like a, a 10 out of 10, even maybe a nine. Um, I could look into our beer compendium and, and sort of sort it by style, but that would take the accurate input of all of the triple IPAs you've ever done, which I don't have. But but I'm asking not the computer. I'm asking the man at the end Um, of the microphone. Like, are there any triple IPAs you would say immediately just like, Oh, I've, I've had this and it's better. Or like, yeah, yes, I have a, it's a yes, but, um, and the reason it's a yes, but is because I had this beer again a couple weeks ago after have, having not had it for years. And that was Simtra from knee deep. 
Now, okay. we talked about this on Patreon when we did our bonus beer review. Simtra, circa maybe 2016, 17, mm-hmm. was 13.1%, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. A delectably hoppy, mild sweetness, triple IPA. And I tried it again when I was in um, the area, whatever, a few weeks ago. And it they brought it down to like, I think, 10 and a half or 11. And it was just sort of, you know, sweet and fine and whatever. Like something changed at Knee Deep over the past couple of years. So I would say that the original Simdra was very, very good. And so if you can count that, then yeah, I think that's better than this. I think my mouth is going numb. <laughs> like I'm getting a weird, yeah, like I'm getting a weird, like I feel like I'm hearing my mouth more in the recording, which is kind of throwing me, like it's drying it out slightly. Yeah. Um, but n- numb for you in a good way? Yeah. All right, good. I don't hate the spear, man. I think it's it's really uh, clean. It's a lot cleaner than a lot of triple IPAs I've that's, ever had. That's probably true. But it's not wildly clean where I'm like, oh, like this. What do you mean a triple IPA? Are you that's news to me. Like clearly, this is a huge beer, and it's got the sweetness to back up that kind of trying to hide the alcohol thing that it's doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely give you the alcohol, like kind of on the finish, but um, I will say this is set apart from a lot of triple IPAs I've had because that sweetness is front to back on a lot of comparable beers. Where Absolutely. It's just like, it is. That's true. You, you take a sip and you're like, is this Kool-Aid? Is it yeah. sugar water? Yeah. yeah. Like, have I fallen face first into a barrel of like cereal milk? What is happening? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but when you smell it, that's what I expected. Like I, I actually took, I accidentally smelled it. Um, after I drank it, but when I go back to smell it, it's like it's so sweet on the nose. Like I don't get really any hoppy notes at all. No, it, it's it's definitely like it's like candied hops like for it's sure. Sweet, yeah, yeah. Okay, but, like it smells like it could be bitter, but it's more sweet. Yeah. Um, like the candied melon really is like an accurate descriptor. It's yeah. very much so. Just like, yeah, man. I think it's like I said, it's a lot cleaner than a lot of triple IPAs I've had. I think it's better than probably a good 80% of them that I've had. So, I mean, triple IPAs are kind of an underdone style. Like, you there's mean like not, they don't make them very often? Yeah. There's yeah. not a, like a massive amount of triple IPAs on the market. No. So, I don't know. I think it's, it's way more an IPA than a lot of triple IPAs that I've had. Okay. So that immediately is going to give it more points off the bat just because it does have more of those hoppy characteristics. Um, you know, is it a good beer? Definitely. Is it a great beer? I don't know. I don't know, man. I think yeah. it's it's really good. Um, I don't know who's who's drinking this. And like, well, I mean, the like, obvious choice is like people that are sort of standing in line to get slice beers when they do releases. Like that's, a, that's a pretty surefire way to get people to be like, Hey, we're doing a, a huge, whatever, triple IPA release, like buy it in advance. Those people yeah. for sure. I don't know who's I mean, buying like, it and enjoying it. Yeah. Like as a, like, I mean, I'm talking about like beer consumers as a whole, our, yeah. our listening audience. Like, yeah. Okay. Sure. I don't know how many of our listening audience. I don't know how many of my friends are like hyped. I've right. never gotten a text been like, bro, right. have you tried right. this triple IPA? So I don't know like how many people are like seeking this, but I think this is a really good representation of a beer for the people that are into it. Um, And I think it's a really well-made beer. I think it has clarity. It's got drinkability. It's got a ton of hot bitterness. Definitely has some sweetness on the finish. 
but the dominating presence is just a massive hop bitterness. Yeah. And in my opinion, that is staying truer to what I think a triple IPA should be than most beers on the market labeling themselves triple IPA. Okay. So I've done a little bit of Googling while you were talking, just because I want to I want to put this up against some other beers that, that I know that we've covered. Um, and the first one that comes to mind, since Chico, is Hoptimum, which I think I is technically so I know you don't like Hoptimum. So for me, Hoptimum better. But that's fine. How about something like... When's the last time you had Hoptimum? Well, when's the last time it was... They, didn't they change it this year? I thought they like made it... Um, I thought they like kind of truncated... Not truncated it, but like, you know, uh, <laughs> neutered it. That's not the right mm. word, but they, I think they made it way small. I think they made it like a double or something or like a specialty beer. But I had it a couple years ago. Okay. Um, but one that I had almost a year ago, almost to the day, uh, was Pliny the Younger. Russian River. That's a triple IPA. It's 11%. It's really good. That beer is objectively, I think, or at least objectively, as far as you and I are concerned, better than this beer. Yeah? I don't know. Probably. Really? I, I would mean, have to have it right in front of me. It's not fair to this beer to to speculate if it's better than a beer I haven't had in my mouth for a year. Okay. Well, I'm going to hold you that logic because uh, the Waldo Special Ale is also a triple. Do you like this beer better than Waldo? Or would you say that the beer that you use to celebrate your eternal love, you couldn't quite say? Honestly, I would have to try it again. Oh, yeah. my God. Okay. I feel like Waldo's better than this. Waldo's good. Waldo is so malty in that oh, Lagunitas way yeah, that I feel like this beer actually might be more drinkable. But I would have to, again, I this beer is on trial, not those beers. So, like, I would have to try them again or try them side by side. I don't think it's fair to this beer to... to to do that. No, you're um, right. I, yeah. But yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Cause I, I asked, I did ask you like yep. what triple yep. A's IPAs have you enjoyed that you mm -hmm. could maybe, you know, what's, what's, what's your point of comparison here? Totally. Um, yeah. I don't want to go that far back and okay. like ask okay. that question, but sure. I do like the, those are two triple IPAs that I kind of, they weren't in my brain when I read triple IPA. So I appreciate the the perspective. Sure. Also for the record, if my memory serves, we did a triple IPA from, Oof, I think it was called, um, the brewery is called Local Craft Beer, and I think it was their Grain Man, which was also a triple IPA, and I remember, I think that we liked it, but I could be wrong, because um, now my brain's just in, like, think of triple IPA's mode. Um, yeah, I don't know, I'm but, pretty but sure to, I hated yeah, that beer. To your point, there's not a whole lot to, to draw from. Yeah. Like, Scar City from Altamont is one that comes to mind, just because the batch just came out this year, like, it's on shelves right now, and okay. that beer's tremendous. Yeah. Um. I would like to get a can of that like this week just while this mm -hmm. is fresh in my brain for right. comparison sakes. Yeah. So let's try and get a can of Scar City and try that just okay. so we have a bit more of a, a spectrum from which to draw. Okay. We but, can do uh, that. But yeah, all that to say like our, you know, the well of triple IPA that we're drawing from is not a deep well. No. It's no. a puddle. Yeah, sure. And we're using a tiny, tiny bucket. <laughs> a thimble. A thimble yeah, attached there you to go. string. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I guess we better rate it, huh? Yeah. Do you like this beer? Yeah. But it nah, sounds that's it's a, like that's that. A but very I like it like wishy, that. That's a, that's a very wishy-washy answer, Max. I'm going to need a bit more definition. But So I already have my number, but if, if all you were gauging it was me going, yeah, what would you say my number is? And I'll tell you if you're right. Um, Like a six- Five? No, it's a six. You know I don't go into decimals. Oh yeah, uh, but you're very close. Yeah, it's a six. Like I think it's it's fine. Like I don't know, man. Ten percent. Like if I'm going for alcohol content, I'll probably just reach for a bigger beer, like a stouter, a darker beer rather. Um, because I don't, I don't know. Again, we're drinking out of pint can, or we're drinking these 
they are the size of pint cans. We're drinking them out of glasses, but, um, it's a lot. Like, I don't want the whole thing. I'll tell you that. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I'd reach for it again. I think it's well-made. Um, not again, not the best triple IPA I've ever had. So it's, it's a little bit better than fine. So it's a six out of 10 for me. What about for you? I'm going to tell you what's up. I'm going to tell you, you know, like a long, hard day. You don't have time to get up and go to the fridge often. <laughs> and you want to okay. drink one beer that will okay. punch you directly okay. in the huevos and also pack a big hot punch, tons of alcohol. I think this beer is really right for like certain moments, just like Nomadland. I feel like this beer has a time and a place. Uh, you can get me with that. Okay. I will not reach for this every single night. I will, however say that this is one of the best triple IPAs I've ever had. Okay. Top top five, easily, triple IPAs. Just for, again, for reference, like you're dealing with maybe eight total, right? Or ten? Um, I've probably had more triple IPAs than than you think. How many, if you had to ballpark it? Twenty. Oh, nice. I think mine's probably like seven. Yeah, no, probably like 20, maybe 30, just because okay. I always at least try them. Okay. Um, you remember back when we could go to, what were those called? But bars, but bears, bars, yeah. oh, bars, 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 when you could go to those things and like, just get a taster of something like yeah. just to get a vibe for it. So like, I'm not saying I've drank whole pints of them or whatever, but obviously, um, I've tried quite a few. Yeah. Uh, and this is definitely upper echelon in the sandbox in which they are playing. So for me, this beer is a solid 7.7. 7. That's yeah. It's pretty high, man. 7.7 7 for you. Six well, for me. Yeah. What? I was going to say, well, I'm comparing it to other triple IPAs, and you immediately went to, well, I would just drink a stout. I'm like, well, that's, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, you man. and I are different. We don't, we don't, yeah, you know, we do exactly. things differently. That's why the show yeah. is great. Like, if, if you were, um, obviously, but, like, if you were just focused on, like, ABV, for sure. But, like, if I wanted something hoppy and also strong, this would, I this, this has a strong argument. Yeah, I agree. I think. I agree. But also, yeah, sometimes you want that that stout fix. Yeah. Mm, yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Again, hippie cabbage. I don't think it's probably available on the reg. Again, James hooked us up. So thanks again, James. Um, Johnny, seven points on for you, six for me. What do you say we play a trailer for Judas and the Black Messiah? I did want to say one thing before we put this brewery to bed. Yeah. Um, if you're in the Northern California market, their beers are not distributed at all. You have to order on a Thursday and then pick up on a Friday if you want to get your hands on any of their releases. Mm -hmm. uh, we were lucky enough that James went down. Um, but otherwise, the only way to get their beers is to order online and jam down there on a Friday. But mm -hmm. it is in Lincoln. I think their beers are worth checking out. And I would like to give one final thank you to Slice for making some good beer. Yeah, I will actually throw another asterisk on that. The other way you can get the beers is join us on Patreon. And then every now and again, when I travel for something or Johnny does, we'll be like, hey, anybody in Patreon need something from Lincoln or from Roseville or from San Diego or wherever? And then you can be like, yes, we'd like some sliced beers. And then we'll get them for you. You have to probably buy them, but we'll pick them up for you. So fun. True facts. Okay, then we will play a trailer for Judas and the Black Messiah. Same deal as earlier. We're not going to spoil it without giving you plenty of heads up. Don't go anywhere. Here is that trailer. You're looking at 18 months for the stolen car, five years for impersonating a federal officer, or you can go home. The Black Badges are forming a rainbow coalition of oppressed brothers and sisters of every color. Their aim is to sow hatred and inspire terror. I will learn all that I can. I will learn. These ain't no terrorists. 
You can murder a liberator, but you can't murder liberation. You can murder a revolutionary, but you can't murder a revolution. And you can murder a freedom fighter, but you can't murder a freedom. That was a trailer for Judas and the Black Messiah. It was directed by Shaka King. A screenplay was written by Shaka King and Will Burson. Cast includes Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton, Lakeith Stanfield as Bill O'Neill, Jesse Plemons as Roy Mitchell, Dominique Fishback as Deborah Johnson. Yes, sir. Uh, Release info. This premiered at Sundance on February 1st, 2021. Uh, it was released to select theaters on February 12th, but it had a simultaneous release on HBO Max. This movie ran just a hair over two hours, and in a massive reversal of roles, I would like to know first off, Max, what did you think of this movie? Yeah, man, this is a cool one. Like, this is, we talked about it sort of at the end of the episode last week, because I think you had realized it's coming out uh, that whatever last weekend was, and we're like, should we cover this too? Um, and it's a movie I was stoked to see. Number one, because like getting to see Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield reunite on screen after their pretty brief interaction in Get Out had me hyped. Like I also remember loving Lakeith Stanfield's performance in Sorry to Bother You in 2018, which for anyone interested, we covered on episode 83. And Daniel Kaluuya has been on my radar since that one episode of Black Mirror where you have to ride a power bike to get money to be like on popular TV shows. (laughs) So... Obviously, I had high hopes for performances, and I was not let down. I do think there's this weird sort of whitewashed shroud of malice surrounding the American education system approach, like teaching students about the Black Panthers. Um, and luckily, like I was re-educated on that years ago, but so many people aren't. And I thought this was going to be a great movie to address kind of like what the Black Panthers were and what Fred Hampton stood for and like what he was kind of hoping to accomplish by creating the Black Panthers in the first place. Um that said, this is kind of one of those movies where you sort of know how it's going to play out. Maybe just by the name Judas and the Black Messiah. If you know anything about who Judas was or what a Messiah means, you kind of know there's going to be a betrayal. <laughs> um, so when I know that there's going to be a movie where someone's going to be stabbed in the back, for me, it ends up being like a really stressful watch. So and adding to that, you have like Jimmy, Jesse Plemons' performance as Roy, Bill's um, uh, Bill O'Neill's handling officer, which kind of just reminded me of a more sinister version of him from that movie Game Night with uh, Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams. But mm-hmm. add him, you have the recipe for a very powerful movie, but very stressful. I, I And I think it's that. Um, I'm for sure going to come out favorably on this. Um, I definitely have some nits to pick in The Danger Zone. But all in all, I think Judas and the Black Messiah, very, very well done. We haven't really said what it's about. So before you give me your initial thoughts, do you kind of want to go off the cuff and sort of let people in on the plot in general? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of names and it'll get a little convoluted, mm-hmm. but essentially Fred Hampton was the founder of the Black Panthers and the FBI basically said, these guys are a big problem. They're undermining capitalism. Yeah. They, uh, this at the time Hoover was the head of the FBI and they were pretty much labeled uh public enemy number one in the United States. And they were going are undergoing a lot of FBI scrutiny 
One mm. thing leads to another. FBI is trying to infiltrate them, get spies and moles inside of the Black Panthers organization to essentially bring them down from the inside. And that is kind of the plot and the plight of this movie. Nice. So I think that's a pretty broad yet specific summarization. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and my thoughts are as follows. I was very familiar with this story. I am a huge fan of the Black Panthers. Not to get political, but I'll just say that. That's very political. Sorry. Is it, though? Like, when we get into it, because I, I don't think it is. I think you're just like, I think that people should have food and, like, justice, you know? And, like, a fair shake, because yeah. that's, like, what America was uh, founded on, what it's Life, supposed liberty, to be. pursuit it's of happiness, like, like we said earlier. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it, you're being political, just to be clear. Yeah, exactly. I think... Um, the whole idea of the Black Panthers has kind of held up. Like, uh, you know, it's some ideas don't age well. I think equality, um, at least of opportunity, not necessarily of outcome, but just sure. at the very least, the equality of opportunity should be present in all productive societies. Um, there's a big difference, and I will debate that with anyone off air, whatever. Uh, equality of opportunity is a very important thing in this country, and I am a just junkie for like I've watched so many documentaries on Fred Hampton and the Black Panthers, and I find it absolutely fascinating. Uh, I mean, California changed their gun laws because of the Black Panthers. Um, the The NRA instituted stronger gun control. Mm. Just to control the actions of these black men. Yeah. Let's just pump the brakes and think about that for a second. I wish I would have showed you my questions because, like, that was, I was going to have a lead and, like, Johnny, what did you know about the Black Panthers before this movie? Oh. It sounds like, it sounds like you know quite a bit, probably more than I do. Yeah, man. So, yeah, that, that fact alone, like I just said, yeah, is enough to just blow your mind. Be like, what? What were these people about? Um, so I knew the story. I knew how it would play out. Essentially, I went into this anticipating a dramatization of the personal lives of these people leading up to certain events. Let's say that just yeah. to keep it sure. not spoilery. So sure. um, the question then is knowing how this true story played out. The question is how do you get from A to B? How do you make it engaging and enjoyable and endearing? I think they accomplished that very well. Mm. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya is amazing. He is just a hell of an actor. Uh, the depth of his character in this movie is so complex and just I'm sorry, multi just, just to clarify grammatically, are you saying that the character drawn for the page is very complex? Or are you saying the depth of his character in a moral sense is deep? Both. Great. Uh, you got Fred Hampton as a person and also the role that Daniel Kaluuya played, mm -hmm. very layered very nuanced like this dude had a lot going on there was there was different like, like he was one-dimensional in some regards as far as his political beliefs but he was also um a person and he had layers and he had emotions and i think movies like this where history tells you the ending of the story it's not about the ending movies like this are about the stuff that happens in the middle and I really love Daniel Kaluuya in this. Lakeith Stanfield was amazing. I swear to God, until the day comes when I meet Jesse Plemons, I'm just going to assume <laughs> that dude's a fucking creep. I, it's not good. I mean, we covered uh, oh Charlie Coffin's movie. What is it? Um, 
I'm thinking of ending things, which he yeah. was not the least creepy in. So yeah, like it's just he's got that he's got that face, you know? Like you don't trust yeah. it necessarily. No. You're just like, what's did, your deal? Did you ever watch um El Camino? The uh No, I didn't. Oh, the um oh god, Breaking Bad. Breaking movie. Bad, yeah. No, I did. Yeah. I, I know you talked about dude, it, but I never saw yeah. it. Also, still, Jesse Plemons, why are you creep, dude? All the yeah. time. You just yeah. you're just like a kind of a icky, creepy, slimy. I mean, dude, he's getting paid, so good on him. But also, like, maybe not the role you want to be typecast as. It's just, like, creepy white guy. I mean, yeah, but I get it. Like, I, you know, do what you're good at, I guess. Like, if people are recruiting yeah. you or, like, seeking you out for, like, hey, we need, you know, sort of this intimidating, potentially Aryan touting fella. Like, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's probably a tough role to play, but, yeah, do it. Yeah. Because people are yeah, going to yeah. think what you're saying of yeah, him. Exactly. But, uh, I mean, overall, I really liked this movie. Um, for me personally, it was hard to get too emotionally invested in some of the characters for obvious reasons, which sure. I'm a parent. Sure. But um, I really liked what they did. I liked the the interpersonal stuff, and I really liked the portrayal of Fred Hampton. Um, and some of, like, the history that came through at the end, like post-credits and stuff, I liked the the richness yeah. of that history yeah. and and the the grounding of this movie in in reality and the reality of the conspiracy uh which at that point it's not conspiracy it's just a plot uh, yeah. of some sort it's what so, happened exactly it's just history it goes goes from conspiracy to history at that point but i thought it was a very interesting movie and if you're not familiar with the history of the black panthers or fred hampton i don't know if this movie is where you should start but yeah. I think it's a nice place to end up if you want to kind of personalize these characters. Yes. Uh, I think it was a worthwhile film. I'm happy it was made. Um, for me, I'm not super hot on it. I liked it. I didn't love it. But uh, I thought it was a very good movie. Yeah. Um, can we talk direction briefly? Yes. Of the film? So like Shaka King. Um, I don't think either of us have seen King's previous film, Newly Weeds from 2013. But uh, I can tell you this through some intense Google detective work, that it was a relatively sort of lighthearted stoner comedy. So I knew that going in. And admittedly, I was a little bit wary of somebody with like a primarily uh, comedic background taking on this particular subject matter. I mean, this is one of the greatest betrayals since the original Judas and Black Messiah, by by which, of course, I I mean Jesus. Uh, We know he was almost certainly black or at least brown because Middle East, whatever. My point is, I was nervous that this film wouldn't be handled with the gravity that the topic demands. Did you know about Shaka King's work? Like, is there any chance how you've happened to have seen Newlyweeds? Or did you have that kind of preemptive palm sweat if you if you did see it? Um, or were you like a blank slate? Were you like, I don't know Shaka King at all. Let's see what happens. Blank slate. Was okay. not familiar with any of his work. Didn't do any research into his work either. Kind of just let this movie happen to me. Uh, that's probably fair. I think that's the way to go in. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Like, I don't know that this should be maybe your, your counterpoint to historical fact. If you don't know much about the black Panthers, um, you know, because of dramatization, like you were saying, a good jumping off point might be if you're a podcast person, which I, I do declare, if you're, if you're listening to this, you might be, um, the stuff you should know episode on the black Panthers. Very great. They've been so horribly misrepresented by you know, like the public American education system, I mean, like there were terrorists and they wanted to destroy, I guess, white people. I don't really know, but I remember hearing bad things about the Black Panthers. And then I learned a little bit and it's like, they were just trying to make sure black people didn't have a terrible time 
in a time that was pretty terrible for black people in America. Yeah. Not very shocking. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I'm with you too. Like pretty good performances. Obviously, um, Cleo is great. Keith Stanfield did not let me down either. Um, maybe by design, his character and, and Bill O'Neill, the person he was portraying, has a little bit more depth because um, we get to kind of peek behind that sort of um, betrayal curtain. Um, it was it was good, man. I, I did find myself rooting for him. And then I was like, oh, yeah, no, I, I just based on the title, like I know what's going to happen with this character. Um, so I'm a fool for even thinking that that might not happen. Um, I also thought that Jesse Plemons character was fairly well drawn. Like it's easy to kind of paint him into a corner of like he's just a racist sort of FBI agent that wants to eradicate black people from power. But there are some nice scenes where like even he, while being told about like what's about to happen is like, I don't know about this. Like, yeah. you know, I don't fuck that. You, that's what we're doing. But nobody's ever like, no, people are just like, okay, I guess we'll do all of these horrible things. Yeah. Here's some more money. I guess you want some scotch. And so, I mean, I like scotch, man, but like there's the point where the scotch isn't going to cut it for me personally. It's not, you, you yeah, not that it. much. No, like, oof. and I was just hoping like maybe X, Y, and Z won't happen. Like maybe one character is going to be like, Hey, we're America again, harkening back to like what I was saying earlier, like we can do better and we should do better. Let's try. Um, and the sad thing is that so often you can apply that same sort of like, what if we had said this, you know, 50, 60 years later, and we're still not saying it. And people are like, well, I guess that's what, that's what America is now. Not yeah. as a whole, but like there's moments where like nobody, nobody said, maybe we don't do this. We just did right? it. Yeah. That's disheartening. Yeah. Exactly. It definitely shines a light on the the depravity of which our own government is willing to go to squash out things like this. And if you're uh, intelligent and then try to be informed, those types of things are a little bit disconcerting. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Ooh, what was I listening to? Um, it was an Kendrick interview. Kendrick Lamar. Ew, I wish. Um, no, it was an interview with somebody from, oh, it was Vigo Mortensen talking to uh, Dax Shepard on his podcast, Armchair Expert. Okay, uh, get wider. What does that mean? Is it possible to get wider, those oh, two? Oh, whiter. I thought you meant wider. Whiter. No. No, well, what Vigo Mortensen was saying is like, <laughs> there's this idea that is preached to white people in America of like American exceptionalism. And you don't necessarily know that that's kind of nuts until you maybe travel or experience different cultures. And like, there's this demonization of questioning that like if you're like is america great like could we be better it's like no we're perfect it's america we're 200 years old we know everything like mm -hmm. um and i don't know i think it's a really good point like we're so encouraged at least at least again public education white people uh me i think slightly more so than you but like don't question america's perfect you're lucky to be in america best country in the world america and it's like consider the other side maybe there's some stuff we could work on yeah, I think maybe, that's a good jumping off point. Yeah, maybe we're infants as a country and we don't have it all figured <laughs> like, out. Like we're half as old as Rome. And when people talk about Rome, they don't talk about the the 200th anniversary of Rome. They talk about how Rome crumbled because they were dicks. Mm -hmm. I think that's something we could learn from, you know? Yep. But I digress. Um, should we rate it, spoil some stuff? Do you feel like there's stuff you want to spoil or should we just rate it and call it good? What are you, what are you feeling, man? Um, I mean... To spoil this movie is just to give away the plot and yeah. give away history. So, I mean, yeah. we can if you're care. just, like, no. super, like, like if you're not going to watch this movie, mm. I feel like you should just Google uh, yeah. Fred yeah. Hampton. 
Um, but yeah, I don't necessarily need to spoil this movie. I think for me, this, the point of this movie was about the things that happened in between. I could not agree more. So let's give Judas and the Black Messiah a rating out of 10. I'll throw it to you first, sir. What do you got? Out of 10, for me, this movie feels like a 7.2. 7.2? For me, it is a 7 flat. I kind of really? guessed that we were going to be that close. Yeah. Dear I think we're God. kind of on the same page. <laughs> Um, okay. So again, it is available to stream on HBO max or you can, um, probably, do you think it's exclusive? I think it's exclusive actually. I'm pretty sure. So it's exclusive. Guess you're screwed. Um, it'll eventually become available to rent other places. So if you get a chance to watch it, let us know. We'd love to hear your thoughts. In the meantime, Johnny Summers, I miss hearing about your life. So are you cool if we go to hot and bothered? Let's do it. Okay, welcome to Hot and Bothered, the section of the show, if you've never heard us before, where we catch up a little bit on what's been going on in our lives, beer, movies, or otherwise. I'm going to start, because I've had a bit of a week, uh, if that's okay, Johnny Summers, do you mind? Get it, son, get it. So I was really excited. I went back to play at a place called Dying Breed Brewing for the second time ever. When I played there the first time, I brought some beers back. We covered them on the show. I also think it was the first time we decided, like, hey, we should do uh, two beers from the same brewery. Cause that's fun. So yeah. if you want to go check that out, it's, uh, you know, maybe back in October, I think it was. Um, anyways, I took my friend and drummer, Rob Delgado. We played a show there. It was very, very fun. Drove down, um, spent the night in Modesto at my parents' house and then drove back. But there were some hitches along the way. And the big one is that after the show, we were tearing down and I asked Rob to bring my very cool minivan closer to the, the door to get to the stage. And the key apparently went into the ignition, turned a little bit, would not turn more, also would not turn back, could not get it out. We spent, and by we, I mean me, Rob, all of the owners of Dying Breed, probably some customers trying to get this key to turn or get out. We found some WD-40, tried to get that in there. It would not move. So what ended up happening is that we packed up the car, left it there in their locked parking lot, and came back the next day, had to call a tow truck, driven to an auto shop in Modesto. I drove back to Chico and to drop off Rob. And then two days later, I came back to get my van. So it was a very long weekend, but a great show. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was one of those nights that after the first, maybe 45 minutes, you start sort of chuckling almost maniacally. Like, (laughs) I can't believe this is happening. Cause cause like we played until, um, let's see, we started at seven. We're going to play till nine 30 played longer. I think this was about 11 or 1130 at night. Okay. Um, and had all these great plans of like going to this pub that I used to play at because another friend musician of mine was in town. And by the time we got there, like there were still people inside, but they'd locked the door and nobody would let us in, which hurt personally. <laughs> I was like, come on. Like, I probably don't know anybody that works here anymore, but like, let me in. And nobody even bothered to like look. So it turned into a night of sort of like driving around, looking for a place during COVID that's open. Um, yeah, midnight on a, I think Saturday. So. That was a bit of a bummer, but I can report now the minivan is fixed. I went back, picked it up, you know, had my uh, back, had all my, had my rear uh, rotors resurfaced, new brake pads, that whole thing. Um, so that was nice. And the upshot of this is on my way back to Chico. Um, for us, this would have been yesterday. I stopped by Moxa Brewing, which I have never been to, but we've covered on the show. And you've been there in person, right, Johnny? Bunch of times. Okay. Have you been there during COVID? Mm, yes. Okay, great. So yeah, they have this sort of outdoor tent situation. Um, and it was great. Like I, I showed up because uh, I wasn't sure because, again, I've never been. Like if they have cans always to go. And it sounds like they don't always. But yesterday they had five different 
beers. So I got four packs of all of them, have divvied them up between you and I, and I got some for Rob, and we're trading with someone on the East Coast for the podcast for some very fun special beers. Um, and it was a really lovely experience. And the fellow that helped me out, I don't think I ever learned his name, but I did tell him about this show. And there was another bartender, and it's either Carolyn or Caroline. Carolyn or Caroline, if you're listening, I apologize, but thanks for checking out the podcast. Um, and there were these two fellas that I also met because I got these two beers. I, I got in the style of you, sir, um, an IPA and a stout because I was going to let the stout warm up. Mm-hmm. So I got my two beers, took a picture of the sign to be a cool guy, and went out and sat in in the tent, the one that was the least populated. There was one other person in there, and I sat at the far end. I was like, I'm just going to sit here. It's been a crazy long couple of days. I'm enjoy my beer. And there were these – another guy came in, sat with the first guy, and they were talking. And at some point, I was about halfway through my first beer. One of them turned and was like, are you – is someone joining you? Well, you have two beers. Like what's – did you get ditched? What's your deal? and 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 a crazy thing would be to go like no i have two beers i don't have a problem but but the crazier thing would be like no i have a podcast i got a co-host who says that you have to do this because if you're in a place you've never been you got to get a stout and you gotta i'm always gonna say all that to them i was like they're for me i wasn't ditched they're both mine and they were both like do you do you want to come sit with us and again a long couple days initially i was like no, but then they seemed kind enough. And I was like, okay. And we started talking. Um, cause they were told so this, this story's got a turn coming. <laughs> I can fucking no, it's feel not, it. It's not weird. So I guess I'll shout out now, Keith and Matt. Uh, cause I also gave them business cards for the show. If you guys happen to be hearing my voice now, can you tweet us or something? Like, let me know. I'm not insane for telling this story. Um, and I also think first names are okay. Cause that's not really giving away too much, but um, I was curious, like I heard them talking and I was trying to figure out their dynamic. I hope this isn't like the weirdest thing in the world. Maybe other, maybe do you do this? Like there's two people sitting there. Like I was trying to figure out, are they on a date? Are they friends? Like one is talking about hooking up with guys. One's like, I hooked up with this girl. Turns out, and I'm not going to, I guess, give away their entire life story, but they were just there as friends and they've known each other for forever. And then we talked about our lives and like the craziness of, you know, life. Um, and it was very sweet. And I just, I just thought it was a really strange social encounter to end what had become a really strange, like three days for me. That's usually the way that shit works though, man. It's like when you just lean into the weirdness and the chaos of it all, you end up meeting like some really cool people in the eye of the storm. Totally. Um, so chatted with them, finished my beer. I went back inside and got all the stuff that I had just described and took it out to the car. And then Rhaegar, my dog and I drove home and then I fell asleep by like, I mean, it had to be like nine 30, which is early (laughs) for me. I just, yeah. I was, I came inside, showered, like on the way up, had shamelessly shoved Taco Bell into my face because I needed food. Oh, and that's kind of food. So I did that, showered, immediately passed out, and then slept for like 10 hours. That's so that's been right. my week. <laughs> nice, man. Yeah. What about you, nice. dude? What's going on with you? Well, you know, Shalina's been under the weather. So this last weekend was really gorgeous and sunny, and she didn't feel up to going out anywhere. So that was kind of a bothered. We mm-hmm. had to. Mm-hmm. We had to hunker down, and it was a real ego check for me because I was like, I made plans. We're going out Friday. Mm-hmm. got shit to do Saturday. Mm-hmm. We're going to go get coffee and go plant shopping on Sunday, and then we're going to do brunch. Like I had, I had a whole nice little weekend planned out. Yeah. And her and body. And then she had to go and get sick. That she had to ass. <laughs> she had to go and be a woman. Sure. 
and it really just put a damper on my time. Clearly and, sarcasm uh, again for new listeners. Well, yeah, when I say she had to go and be a woman, meaning oh. she was having womanly problems. Well, that's fair. Okay. Well, so I take it back. No, don't take it back. That's still true. <laughs> Like, yeah, we okay. still respect women. Yeah, Don't yeah, take right. back the You're respect right. for true. women. That's true. It's <laughs> still just, yeah. in place. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I had to kind of just, the my bothered slash hot part of it is I had to really check my ego and rebalance my expectations and make the most of a terrible situation. Yeah. And I ended up cooking like a really big, fun meal. And I just, at some point on Sunday morning, I just decided, you know what? This weekend kind of sucks. Yeah. It sucks for you. It sucks for me. Should we fight about it? Or should we just get day drunk and oh, watch Star Trek? Nice. So nice. We you got, talked about Star Trek before. Yeah. Like recently. Recently. So we got real day drunk. And like I think three days before this, this ties into Star Trek, which the saga continues, let me just say. Okay. It's a whole thing. It's taking over my life, and I'm not sorry. And it's shocking to some people how nerdy I actually am. Like, That's because they don't like, listen to this podcast. If they it, listen, they'd like, that makes sense. It, sh- it literally shocked Brandon Duran, like oh, really? how like Arguably nerdy I am. One like, of our ba- biggest listeners. <laughs> in like one of my close <laughs> friends. I'm like, are you fucking really kidding me right now? Yeah. You're actually surprised at like yeah. the depth of my nerdiness? I talk about playing... Video games for like six hours a day. Come on, dude. Yeah, like, yeah. I just look like this. I'm actually a nerd. Um, so I've gone on this journey, and we continued it on Sunday with our day drinking. But I showed. Well, I don't show her. I'm sure she's seen it before. But we started watching the Next Generation because mm-hmm. I love Picard. I love that era of Star Trek. Well documented. You've heard this. Uh, and then we decided she. I asked her if she'd ever seen one of the Star Trek movies. I think I made a reference to like Star Trek Six or something, mm-hmm. something super obscure and stupid. And she's mm-hmm. like, "What?" Yeah. And I'm like, "You know, there's like a bunch of Star Wars movies, right? Or Star Trek movies." Damn. And she's that's, that's going to haunt you for a while, right? Well, no, because she's like, "You mean like Star Wars? There's a bunch of them." So it was it was coming. It just came out too soon. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, man. There's like." 10 like there's a lot and i'm like i think i just referenced like number six or number eight uh and she's like well we watched all the star wars movies in orders in order let's just do that with the star trek movies and i'm like all right i'm assuming obviously you just start with the first one and you progress okay okay so i'm like i put on the first star trek movie it's set Probably 10 years after the end of the original series with, um, uh, what's his name? Shatner and Nimoy and yeah. like all like the original quote unquote original from yeah. the sixties. This but takes that, place like 10 years after that. But so that's I'm also like, true to form for star Wars. Like that's what happened with star Wars too. Like, okay. Yeah. 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 Right. Totally. But I'm like, we can't just start the movies because they're like having a reunion like Spot comes out of like oh, being see. a hermit, and I'm yeah. like, wait a minute, we didn't get all of the 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 Star Trek of them doing their shit. So I'm like, we gotta we gotta yeah. go back yeah. and like watch yeah. watch the Star Trek from the '60s because that's the first one, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. You would think I would I would think that, but I also feel like I'm you're leading me into a trap. Yeah, because okay. I thought that too, Max. <laughs> I thought that too. I thought wouldn't the oldest one be the the first? And it would just progress 
in a linear fashion. Of course, yes. In fucking correct. The Star <laughs> Trek universe is so goddamn complex. Uh-huh. You have to go watch them. It starts like chronologically. If you're gonna actually like get a real story from like start to end of like Star Trek. Yeah. You have to start with a show called Star Trek Enterprise that came out. Oh, my out. dad loves Enterprise. No, Enterprise is the way to go for sure. Yeah, Enterprise is dope. I just started watching it for the first time. Oh, but that wow. started, it started in 2001, ran yes. for four yep. seasons. Yep. And so like I've, I found this ultimate list of like what you have to watch and in what order to get a chronological story. Mm-hmm. And dude, it's like you go to this series from 2001 then you go to this series from 1969. Then you go to this series from 1980. Then you watch three movies. Yep. Then you watch three seasons of this show. Then another movie. Then another series. And then the final season of that last show. Yeah. Yeah, that's It's tricky. exhausting, Max. Sure. It's, it's fucking exhausting. So I'm just basking in the glory of just having a task in front of me and watching Enterprise. Well, I'm really proud of you for doing that, man. So it sounds like a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but like, you know, I've, I've been a Star Trek fan my whole life and I've never, I think, given this series the attention that it is due. Mm. So we both figured, you know what? Fuck it. If we're going to do something, you do it right. So we're starting chronologically and it's going to be a thing. So I'm not going to talk about Star Trek every week, Okay, but I'm going to touch in like once a month, let you know how it's going if we how finish long a series. How long do you think this, this adventure will take? Oh, it's going to take the rest of the year. Oh my God! It's only February. Okay, well, I'm in. I'm in it as well. Let's do it, dude. I mean, you say only, but then like I'll email you. I'll I'll send you the link of the the website that you has the list that I'm going off to. of. You don't have to do that. But, but you'll see the sheer volume of okay. like series and movies. There's <laughs> I like believe tw- you for what it's worth, dude. There's there's two timelines, and there's there's like. The new movies with Chris Pine started a whole new timeline so that J.J. Abrams can keep them canon of course. while also using the same characters, but it's yes. a different time. It's it's exhausting, Max. I'm tired. <laughs> All the energy is leaving my body just talking about it. Yeah, well, why don't you save some of it so you can watch another nine episodes in one movie tonight? What do you think? No. <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet up with you in a public place and oh, socially distance drink beer. Oh, that's actually look. I'm looking forward to that. That sounds really. Should we just should we do that? You think? We should do that. Okay, then final final notes. Uh, next week on the show, if you'd like to keep up with us, we are covering another actually much anticipated film. This is, I think, sort of closing the book on our 2020 film coverage properly. It's a film called Minari. Um, we are renting it on Vudu. You can do the same if you'd like. We're covering beers from Fieldwork Brewing. We're covering a Pilsner and a Stout. I picked them up when I was there. What was that? Like two weeks ago? You think? Week and a half? Week? Week and a half. It was uh, um, last weekend when you went to Ikea with Jacob. That's right. That's right. Good looking out. Um, so that should be really fun. Um, I guess if you'd like to join us on Patreon, that is something that you can do. Like we said at the top of the show, patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. Bonus content, all sorts of fun stuff. You can give us a buck or up to 10 bucks per episode if you'd really like to. We'd appreciate the heck out of it. Johnny Summers, um, any other things that we want to shout out before we call it besides um, maybe a shout out to Bailey? Uh, No, I am very excited for next week's episode, and I am eternally grateful to all of our patrons and our fans, and if you listen to this whole episode up until this point, I'm looking at you, I appreciate you. As usual, Fresh Hop Cinema would not be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi, of course, all of our patrons as well. Uh, We'll be back in your feed next Friday with a brand new episode of all the stuff we just said. Until then, have a great week, drink some great beers, watch a good movie, and my name is Max Minardi. My name's Johnny Summers. Live long and prosper. We'll catch you on the flip side. Hey.
This is Fresh Hop Cinema.